Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to a brand new Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. I'm Robert Shea. Big transformation happening at General Services Administration. Yes, at the Technology Transformation Service. Transformation, transforming transformation, I guess, right. is what's going on here. Neil Cherry is the director of TTS. It's great to see you, my friend. Thanks for coming in. Great. You, Thank you. You're basically building your organization into two distinct branches. You're combining a lot of things, um, eliminating a lot of clutter. Tell me what you saw when you walked into this organization. It's been about a year since you've been there. Yeah. What did you see, and what did you want to do what what's the goal of the reorganization you've undertaken so they're coming in as, as you mentioned francis i've been here uh, nine months now and uh tts is a wonderful organization great mission mission is all about improving the lives of our citizens uh leveraging technology and uh, we had several groups within tts all working towards that mission however uh it became pretty apparent that uh, none of the groups really worked in a integrated fashion. So you had uh, 18F uh, projects in an agency, and you had a COE project in an agency, and none of those two really connected. And uh, my whole belief was, if we play together, we can play much bigger. And uh, that was the whole point of the organizational change is really to create this one TTS view and uh, one to play bigger because I think we can really play bigger as, uh, as one group but two also to bring all the resources to bear to provide the real solutions that we need uh, and, and market those solutions across the agency. So it's really so when you think about the two pillars it's really about clients and markets and solutions, right? So client market is one pillar and solutions is the other pillar. Talk about some of the projects or initiatives that will be under each of those pillars. So, so just imagine under clients and markets, these are your client-facing uh, uh, teammates who are out there working at an agency, either doing a COE project or an 18F project or uh, as a presidential innovation fellow. Uh, presidential innovation fellows, as you know, tend to do their mid-career, really senior technologists, and they're working with the CTO of an agency, doing some really interesting work, either in AI, machine learning, data, data warehousing. So there's a, yeah, those those are kinds of the projects that they're up to. 18F, uh, there's a lot of user-centered design work, digital transformation work, and then the COE work, as you know, is the, is the big uh, massive transformation that we're doing. You know, for example, in USD, USDA, it's a top-down transformation where we're consolidating data centers, consolidating contact centers, driving improved client experience, and so on. So that's in the clients and market side. On the solution side, think of that as being the incubator. These are the incubators of solutions. And we really pick six areas that we want to focus on. Uh, omnichannel experience uh, is one. Uh, cloud and infrastructure uh, modernization, data and analytics, uh, the whole acceleration piece, which is about uh, faster acquisitions, DevOps, sec, uh, SecOps, and so on, identity, and uh, the last piece is all about um, uh, the uh, 
integration of all all those pieces. So it's really you know six areas that we that we that we're focused on. Um, those are solution areas, and uh, so that's the group that's incubating these. And the client markets team are the ones that are taking it to the agencies. Interesting selection, I think, of leaders for each of these. You brought you have Dominic Sale, who's been at GSA for a long time, was at OMB, also, and knows that organization inside and out. And uh, Dominic's going to lead the solutions and products. And then you have Harry Lee, who I met not too long ago when you all were on Government Matters. And he's come in from the outside. He's come in from the private sector. Were you going for that public-private mix, or did that just work out in the nature of the people that you wanted for these jobs? Or t- tell me about what your mindset was when you were looking for yeah, leaders for these. Yeah, you know, the approach that I've uh, taken since getting here is really trying to find the best of both worlds. And uh, lots of folks have come in into government, especially from the private industry, saying, hey, you know, we know better, we're better at the private industry, and we'll teach you everything, and, you know, we'll fix government and change government, and I I think that's really been the wrong approach. I think there's a lot of strong, good, well-intentioned, and highly capable individuals in in government, but I do believe there's a need for us to bring in an an external view, so that's that's really the, the yin and the yang of TTS, and, you know, Harry, I've known for several years uh, he's been in the consulting business for several years and and he brings that view and Dominic is you know ever since I've met him you know everyone in in uh, Washington DC seems to know Dominic <laughs> and, uh, and so he's, he's a great uh, great resource and frankly a f- phenomenal human being so the two of them are really and they, they, they form a really good pra- uh, partnership talk about your impressions having come from the private sector and what uh, what surprised you what didn't surprise you when you when you're sitting outside of uh, this uh, Washington DC bubble as it were and you have a perception about it and uh, mainly driven by um, the press and 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 I'd been in the consulting industry for several years and I'd met the consulting folks who dealt with the federal industry and I'd all heard all about you know, the acquisition process and the slowness of things and, and so on. So you kind of, kind of come in knowing that there is a big bureaucracy here. Uh, but I was very pleasantly surprised when I came here because uh, there was a lot of well-meaning, uh, uh, highly energized, you know, the TTS team, really highly energized folks, really trying to make a difference, here for a mission to, um, to help people and to help government and here to try and make things you know get things done fast so uh, it was a good surprise it was really good you know all those notions of you know working in the uh, public sector being you know a a real difficult place to work and and so on that really dispelled that. Now, that's not to say that, you know, there isn't, you know, the, the day I joined was the day of the shutdown. <laughs> and uh, Welcome, that, to, welcome the government. to the there government. There you go. Wow. So I really got a very close in view of uh, how government works, how government is funded. Were you essential or non-essential? I was essential, unfortunately. So exempt or non-exempt. So there you go. I, I, don't, I don't know all the, the terminology. I got paid. How about that? But, <laughs> well, but half, my, half my team didn't, and that was, that was very worrying to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. 
because I had to, you know, put them on f- you know, furlough, and uh, and every day that went by was was uh, very painful to watch. This reorganization, what do you expect to look back on two years, five years out, and say, oh, this or those things works better? We're delivering better results in this area as a result of this reorg. No, that's a really good question. It's a, you know, how do we measure our progress here? And it's really about uh, the way I look at it, it is in three ways. You know, one is, are we building the momentum? Meaning, are we doing more things? And the way I put it is, uh, I, I had met someone who said, hey, you know, their husband works in federal government and uh, they had no idea about what TTS was. <laughs> so, so, you know, building momentum is about making sure people understood who we are and what we're doing and, and making a difference for as many folks as possible. Uh, so that's one, to build that. And if, we're, you know, we're already in five agencies from a COE perspective, 14 agencies in 18F, another 17 agencies with the PIFs, you know, there's a big you know, opportunity to make, make a difference. Build momentum. Second piece is about sustainability. You know, transformation is always an interesting word. You can't keep transforming for the rest of your life. You need to have a sustainable model. And I think these six areas that we're focusing on are the right areas. And they're the ones that we really want to be um, building in a public-private partnership mode, uh, ensuring that that can be a repeatable process and sustainable process. And the third piece is about outcomes. It's all about uh you know, let's be outcome driven. You know, one of the things we're talking about earlier is when we talk about our accomplishments, how many citizens were affected? Because that's a big deal. You know, did we affect did we impact three hundred million people or did we impact thirty thousand? And what does that really mean? So what is the real outcome? Not, hey, we consolidated thirty eight data centers down to two. That doesn't mean anything. It's really about the outcome, right? What does it really do to the citizen? So uh, those are the three areas. And if I can tell stories about that and say, hey, you know, this is stuff that we really did, and it's momentum is built, sustainable, and outcome-focused, then... um, and you win. Then it feels mm-hmm. good, right? So and everyone wins. It's not right. just about me. It's about the agencies and uh, their mission. Have you arrived at a conclusion about what the biggest challenge, biggest IT challenge facing the federal government is? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I have a fully drawn-out picture. Uh, you know, there are probably four or five areas that I'd, that I'd look at, and they're not different to, frankly, my background in financial services, you know, one is legacy. You've got a legacy environment here that's very, very significant, and uh, we've got to go deal with it. Uh, two is the funding mechanisms and models, and are you really sure you have uh, all of the uh, mechanisms in place to understand where you're spending the money, cost transparency, how much is investment, how much is maintenance. You know, I'd like to be figuring out ways in which, you know, if you're spending 80-90% of your budget on maintain versus change, let's kind of switch that model, right? So how do you get that funding going? Three is about architecture and platforms. I think there's a, a vision of what those architecture and platforms need to be. Um, it's not always clear to me that everyone's working towards that. So if you keep building new and chase shiny objects without a platform in mind, you'd really have uh, questions on 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 that uh, skill, talent. You know, mm. that would be four. You know, do we do we get all the right people in the right places? So you know, these these are just my initial thoughts on yep. those four, and maybe there's probably a few others. But uh, 
I think it's not completely different to what I saw in you know the banking industry and you know banking industry has you know, uh, applications that are 40 50 years old you know, and they work perfectly well they're, they're <laughs> but you know so why change and how do you build around that um, nerdy question about IT because as opposed a, to the previous questions <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. okay fair um, because this is a theme that I'm starting to hear in a lot of the conversations I'm having you used the word architecture a minute ago I would say 10, 12, 15 years ago in the federal IT space, everybody was all, that was, I mean, we could do entire shows on enterprise architecture, right. and people ate that stuff up. Right. And then that kind of went away. And I don't know if that's the case in the private sector or not, but I'm starting to hear that concept again yep. starting to bubble up. Is that an observable trend, or is this just kind of an anecdotal thing that I'm running across? No, I think the pace of change when you're talking about digital transformation and you're looking at aggregating data across multiple organizations, leveraging uh, modern technology using APIs and so on, you're invariably going to drive towards, do you have the architecture in place, or do you have the mindset in place to go build that? And uh, I think if we don't, it's going to be a constant dream, and your existing platforms become very difficult to, to work with. Uh, the sharing of data across agencies, the sharing of data between agencies and the private sector, the sharing of uh, you know, the pace at which data moves back and forth, all of that's dependent on the right architectures and the right principles of using the right uh, model. You know, so, you know, we, 20 years ago, we talked about services-oriented architecture. Well, this is now microservices, right? It's mm -hmm. all about APIs and so on. So, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm getting too geeky here. but <laughs> There's yeah, no we, such yeah, thing on this program. We've not found the bottom yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we got to talk about architecture, and uh, that's what's going to drive a lot of the change. What's on the horizon that agencies maybe aren't yet thinking about, paying attention to, and I don't mean shiny object type technologies, although if that's important, I'd certainly welcome you to talk about those. But maybe what's even the next step beyond that, conceptually, that people should be thinking about technology-wise that in government, whether it's something you saw in the private sector or, or something that you've seen since you've been in government? Yeah, you know, I think the whole artificial intelligence uh, story is a big one. And it's not just about the technology, although technology is a big enabler when it comes to AI. But I think we're both in private and in government, touching the tip of the iceberg here in terms of the pace at which we can find things to change. And it's a confluence of, you know, we've got the right interactive technologies like, you know, text uh, analytics and speech analytics and uh, visual, you know, augmented reality and all of that's coming in. You've got the middle layer that's getting really good in terms of deep learning, machine learning, and then you've got the data layer that's been built over time. So we've got the components of it, but uh, uh, really visualizing and defining the art of the possible is something that's not something that uh, readily comes up from people who are traditionally technologists. And it doesn't come up from the mission-oriented business folks. So we have a real opportunity to bring that together. And uh, there's a huge, and frankly, you know, it, I view this as a competitive, uh, core competitive capability for this country. You know, if we're not able to do that, uh, others are. You know, China is moving way ahead of us here 
and can move way ahead of us, and uh, we should quickly get our act together. And this is not just not just in federal government. I think it's across the board. So it's not a coincidence then that the next centers, uh, center of excellence is with the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center at the Defense yeah. Department. That yeah. strikes me as intentional if that's the first thing you raised when I asked that question. Very much so. It's a, uh, you're re- really excited about it. The uh, Jake team is phenomenal, and they've done a lot of work without our help, and we are honored to be able to help them. I think this is a great opportunity for uh, the TTS team and the COEs as well as Jake. And um, You talked about data sharing across agencies. There's enormous amount of data in, in the custody of federal agencies that it's difficult for them to share. Yep. We talk a lot uh, on the podcast about the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act. Too much. And talk about it too much on this podcast. Not, Let me that's correct. not possible. <laughs> it's not possible. And people are still awake after hearing the, the administration's Questionable. Al- the administration's also proposed a national secure data service, the purpose of which would be to facilitate this data yeah. sharing of the most sensitive data sets. What's your role in that? How can you help agencies get over these real and artificial barriers to data sharing? I think it's twofold. Uh, One is, uh, as you know, in in TTS, we have a group that is is the data group. It's the data.gov group, and we're an active participant in all of these areas. Now, data.gov is pretty much like a repository of data. However, we don't get we haven't maybe used it as much as we should and really driven the real definition and sharing and identification of what needs to be shared from an open data initiative standpoint. Uh, So I believe that's one. The other piece of it, and it's not so much a TTS piece, but there's certainly individuals in GSA from our OGP group, uh, Office of Government-Wide Policy, you know, to really define the privacy issues, the sharing issues, and and frankly, at the end of it all, there's a lot of questions on liability, right? So, uh, uh, so tying all of that together is something that GSA can play a role in, and we clearly have a part in it. I want to go back to the centers of excellence at the Jake. It strikes me that model probably looks different than the other COEs did. There's a perception, at least from the outside, right. that the other agencies that you started to work with were struggling, needed a boost, needed a helping hand. I'm not sure that's the case with the Jake. It strikes me that the perception from the outside is they're successful and you can help them be successful in executing their model, but it's not like a triage effort. And you'll then be able to take what they've learned to civilian agencies and kind of translate it to civilian terms. Am I reading this all right? Yeah, no, very very much so. But at the heart of of what Jake is – it, it is a COE for uh, DOD. That's the heart of what Jake is. And we are in the business of building COEs. And so there's a natural match there, and that's the heart of where we are. So uh, Jake is active, it's been created, and it's led by some very strong leadership, and uh, they are really connecting with all the different uh, uh, lines within DOD. We can help them based on our COE knowledge and and help them with that with that whole process, uh, and that's really the high, that's where we are. We're helping them with the JCF, which is the Joint Common Foundation piece. And as soon as we have that up and running, or while we have that up and running, that's a great set of tools that can be used in other in across federal government, right? In, in all other agencies. 
Congratulations on your reorg. You've got two strong leaders there. It's great to have you come join us today, Neil. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is a great honor. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.